This is Steve Goodrich, known on the trail as Bird Shooter, and this is N2 Backpacking, a podcast for both hikers and backpackers. Hey backpackers, it's Bird Shooter here. And tonight in episode 59, I speak with Bart Smith, who was recently featured in Backpacker Magazine as the man who hiked it all. Since 1992, Bart, aka Infinite Dust, has hiked all 30 of the national scenic and historic trails in the United States, completing the last of the trails only recently by October 2nd, 2018, to coincide with the 50th anniversary of the National Trails Act and he is the first backpacker to hike nearly 35,000 miles on these trails. In the show, Bart tells us about his backcountry photography, the coffee table book he completed with Earl Schaefer on the Appalachian Trail, the photo book he did with Karen Berger on the Pacific Crest Trail, and some others, and Bart shares some of his favorite moments capturing scenes in the backcountry. A quick note, we are now live on Spotify, so you can find our podcast on their network, or click on over to intobackpacking.com where you can follow the podcast link and stream older shows or find out how to support the podcast. And now, here is episode 59 with Bart Smith, the man who hiked it all. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Bird Shooter. I'd like to welcome Bart Smith to the show this evening. Bart, a.k.a. Infinite Dust, has hiked nearly 35,000 miles on national, scenic, and historic trails in the United States and was recently featured in the June 2018 issue of Backpacker Magazine. He is here tonight to tell us about his hiking and photography adventures and to talk about some of the most beautiful country in the United States. Bart, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Steve, Bird Shooter. That's fantastic. Thanks yeah. for inviting me on. And we're talking coast to coast. I'm here in Georgia. You're in Washington. So, uh, you know, yeah. truly spanning the nation. Nice. I like it. So I have to ask you first, um, what came first, hiking or photography? Because I know you're passionate about both. Yeah. And if you go, you know, far enough back, it would have been the hiking. Um, I didn't really, I mean, I've hiked all my life. I mean, even, uh, you know, I was literally, my dad would put me on in his backpack. So I, I still remember you know, being on his shoulders going down the trail. And um, my family is just, my dad was always an outdoorsman and my mom really loved it and to have three older brothers. So I was the youngest by uh, four years. And so, you know, the family was anxious to get going. So um, my dad would usually, you know, carry me along. And then, uh, but as I got older, um, we, as a family, we did some pretty ambitious hikes. Um, so I've been hiking, you know, really my entire life. Um, but I didn't get into, uh, I first started getting into photography, um, when I went up to Alaska and worked at McKinley Park Hotel. And, uh, the thing that kind of cracks me up now, looking back on it is I had a, um, an, uh, Kodak Insta, Instamatic, okay. which is like the, <laughs> it just, you literally wind the film. I mean, that's all you have to do. Yeah. But I remember just being excited, you know, about 
getting photographs with it. Um, and so just the concept of being able to share my experiences with, uh, through photography, you know, that's kind of where it started and didn't get any very much good photographs, but all it takes is one every now and then, you know, and, um, a few years later using a, um, another point and shoot at the time, still, uh, I'll film way back when, and, um, it was just an image from the Olympics uh, on the uh, on the uh, catwalk in the Olympic National Park, and just a, there was a fog coming through and really cool enchanting shot that just everybody really enjoyed. You know, um, you know, if I go into my images, they'd go, "Wow, that's a really cool shot." But um, and so even just that um, kind of got me more interested in it, and uh, that was years ago. And I've always, um, you know, since. Uh, Gosh, I guess the 80s. Yeah, the 80s. I've um, I've been photographing, um, and it wasn't until the 90s that I really started thinking that maybe you know I I wanted to do it professionally. I you know wasn't sure if I'd be able to pull it off, but um, it just kind of keeps going and going. And uh, gosh, now I've walked all the national trails, so it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I have a lot of questions for you about that, by the way. And you're right, photography has come an uh, amazing amazingly long way I, when I was in high school in the 80s uh, early 80s yeah. actually to give my age away a little bit but um, I uh, I was a, a yearbook photographer so I took a lot of pictures and the the, the equipment today is just unbelievably different it's amazing um, yeah 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 I, I I actually kind of feel fortunate to have gone through the film era um, because I was photographing with film up until 2000 seven uh yeah 2007 was the latest um and then and then to experience digital i mean it's just that has changed everything so so dramatically uh but you know it it wasn't that long ago you know before i had to carry you know before i was carrying uh when i was carrying 20 rolls of film and having to really kind of make sure that i didn't waste the film and you know try to um ration it out you know along a one of the, whether it was the North Country Trail or um, any one of the uh, National Scenic Trails right. up until 2007. And um, so, but nowadays, you know, being able to see the image that you just took immediately, I mean, and then the night kind of photography, just, it's pretty amazing how it's all changed. Well, in the post-production too, right? Because, you know, back in the day, uh, exactly. you'd go into the dark room, you'd spend hours in the dark room trying to get to the perfect shot. Now you can get on a... Uh, Photoshop or, you know, some of these editing tools and boom, in seconds, you've got, you know, an amazing photo touched up. So, yeah. And if you want to see it in black and white, you can change that. So, I mean, there's now if you take a photo, it's really limitless. I mean, you can interpret it, you know, or Photoshop it, you know, a million different ways if you wanted to. But so, um, yeah, it's definitely different. Now, I didn't do a lot of um, I wasn't just shooting black and white so much. I was more of a positive or you know kodachrome and um and then fuji so really for me it was just photographing with the the slides and then editing through the slides and then uh sending the ones you know about 500 that i thought might work in a book you know sending that to the publisher and then the publisher dealt with it i mean now i have to scan you know i I still have to scan all the images that i took years ago but um when i come home like i just came you know I'm, i'm back from the lewis and clark trail i finished that two months ago and I'm still going through the images and uh, rendering them and, uh, and then captioning them. That's a huge amount of time. But, um, but the rendering them, I mean, it's fun. I, you know, I love it. 
but it's it's time consuming and and never ending it seems you know because you can always make it look a little better here and there sure sure you know so lewis and clark trail i mean i'm obviously this is i'm dying to ask you a million questions about backpacking because you're both a photographer and a backpacker and if you were in denali early on then you are obviously backpacking through there i've done three trips through there and that's a phenomenal national oh, park and yeah. anyone that hasn't been to alaskan experience denali's is got to put that near the top of their list it's awesome yeah but um, yeah when we, i and when i was working there in uh was it 1981 81 or 82 um i didn't see the mountain all through june through a good bit of july just because it was always cloudy and then on one hike um above uh red glacier i want to say a red glacier it takes a big 90 degree turn and right at the turn i was on this mountain it's not super high i mean it's still you know considered the foothills of uh, mckinley but being up there and then it cleared off and then there was uh it was around midnight when i first saw you know mckinley for the first time and it's just so dramatic and then there was uh even some northern lights going on so it was wild <laughs> Yeah, and I just saw was, them for the first cool. time myself only a few years ago, and and that was an experience in itself. What? So yeah, I, I got to ask you though, because you 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 obviously started hiking very young with your family. Were you backpacking in the early years with your family too, or is it mostly just kind of day trip? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you you know, I being the, being the kid for a while, my backpack wouldn't have that much, but uh, they were pretty quick to put more weight on there. And I remember it's funny because I, I remember complaining, you know, um, when you're a little kid and yeah, that's what kids having do. to do switchbacks and all that business. But, um, sure. you know, once you, once you work through that, you know, if, you know, for parents nowadays, if you have kids, don't be too upset if the kids aren't having fun all the time, because, you know, as they learn, um, you know, that good things are going to happen. You just got to keep walking. Then as they get older, you know, um, they're, they're more comfortable in hiking and and being out in the woods and that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, that's but, uh, I think you describe backpacking well, and you've done a lot of long distance trips, which we're gonna we're about to dive into. But you know, yeah. you know, any long distance hike is a it's a it's a roller coaster of emotions, ups and downs, highs and lows. I mean, and that's kind of how life is sometimes. So I think it's you know it's a good lesson I think for a kid in that way. I uh, heck yeah. But you know, Bart, I started with my son on my back. I got one of those kid carriers and at an early age, I was taking him on my back. And as soon as he could walk, I think he was five years old. We were taking him backpack and he'd carry a teeny little pack just so he felt like he was doing something. Yeah, but, uh, exactly. You know, right. with the electronics today that, uh, that they have access to, I think it's more important than ever to get them outside. So, uh, yeah, kudo, yeah. kudos to yeah. your folks for getting you out there early. Yeah, yeah, I was lucky in that way. And it always kind of surprised me how many people, uh, especially on the Appalachian Trail, that have never hiked in their life, you know, and you have to give those kind of folks credit because, you know, they don't know what hiking's like. And, um, you know, they, they start and they, they stick with it. But um, for for myself, I was very fortunate to be raised in a family that uh, was avid. My dad was an avid outdoorsman. And uh, so I, I've had a comfort zone in the woods. I mean, that's almost... I, I'm almost more comfortable in the woods, you know, than, um, you know, in, in the city or something like that. Not that I'm afraid of people or anything. It's just, uh, it surprises me how many people um, convey to me that they'd be, you know, pretty concerned, pretty scared being by themselves out in the woods where um, I've been doing it for so long. I just, uh, that's where I like to be. So. Yeah, those are great skills uh, to have but, too, you know. I mean, you never know when you're going to need them. 
Yeah. So I, I got dying to ask you about long distance hiking. I mean, that's that's. Uh, I, I, I'm going to very quickly go through your list of trails you've done because it's it's it absolutely blew me away. But um, at what point did this kind of go from a project, you know, where where you were hiking and and photographing nature scenes to like doing long distance trails and capturing, you know, the the beauty of our national scenic and historic trails. There must have been like a trigger point somewhere there for you and I'm, I'm curious when that happened yeah um it, i guess i mean like i say i started photographing and hiking when i was younger but uh, that was more to just share my experiences with friends and that kind of stuff and then i did uh, i was working at a hospital as an audiovisual coordinator and had the opportunity to um, travel with this person who's going to be traveling around the world so I jumped at that opportunity that then it just so happened that the person couldn't do it. So I just ended up doing it and I ended up traveling through um, parts of uh, Kenya and Nairobi and spent eight months traveling to a lot of different places. And it was photography that just, I, I just love sharing, you know, um, experiencing all these different uh, cultures and, and uh, different parts of the world through photography. And then, when I came back, I had to decide whether, you know, to get back into a, a real job, possibly working with a hospital again. But I thought, well, I just I've always wanted to do the Pacific Crest Trail. So um, maybe I'll use this time to walk the Pacific Crest Trail and really start utilizing the photography using um, a tripod and that kind of stuff. And uh, some of the skill set that I'd learned traveling around the world. And so it really started, oddly enough, with on the Pacific Crest Trail with the kind of um, overly ambitious, unrealistic uh, goal of getting a coffee table book on the Pacific Crest Trail. I had done research and saw that there was only the National Geographic had done a coffee table book on the Pacific Crest Trail, but it wasn't really photographed that darn much, um, which is hard to believe now because everybody's, you know, carries an iPhone. But this was back in the 90s when not a whole lot of people carried a tribe, certainly a tripod and, um, you know, an SLR camera and three lenses and 20 rolls of film. And so the whole thing came to 20, 20 pounds of camera uh, from the get go. Um, and, and that's when your and, other, uh, your other backpacking equipment weighed a lot more too. So you had to have been carrying a 60, 70 pound pack, right? That's right. Yeah. And ironically, you know, the more weight you carry, you have to have a bigger backpack. You kind of have to have bigger boots. Everything gets bigger. Yeah. So I had a ridiculously heavy backpack when I, started out I, I started at manning park and walked uh headed headed south and did washington and oregon the first year um hoping to do the whole thing it ended up that i did california the following year but uh, so i actually that was not done as a through hike it's not done as a section hike hey, but um it still counts it, through, through washington and oregon my, my my pack was like 80 pounds which oh. is, you know that's kind of stupid weight yeah wait now so this was what year but, again this is pacific crest trail what year that was uh, 92. 92, 90, okay. 1992. So I did, yeah. the, I did the 18 and 94. So can I, and so I got to ask you quickly, I, I'm dying to rip through the list of the 30 trails that you've done. It's stunning. But yeah. in 90, yeah. 92, I mean, even in 94 when I was going on the Appalachian Trail, the only people I ever heard that really talked about the Pacific Crest Trail were a few through hikers on the Appalachian Trail. But how well known was, really? the, Pacific, how, how well known was the Pacific Crest Trail at that time? 92. Yeah. Uh, it was um, becoming 
better known, but you know, nothing like today. It would be weird to walk it today. I mean, part of me would like to, but then part of me, I don't know, just on the south part, you know, with, with so many people walking it, and you know, now you have to um, sign up for it, which is understandable. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know, with the Appalachian Trail, they have the you know more designated shelters and campsites and privies. Right, right. And with this, with the PCT, that's kind of a challenge when you have so many people going through to, you know, keep it still as pristine as possible and not get, not get it overused. But, um, but yeah, back in the early nineties, it was still um, developing as a, um, you know, a, a, an alternative. It's, it's, and it's still to this day seems to be a lot of people that do the AT, you know, kind of the logical next trail is the, PCT and so many people have done the 18 now that uh, Pacific Crest Trail and then with the movies on both trails. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a huge, huge boon for both. And you know, in '94, yeah. Bart, when I went through in '94 on the Appalachian Trail, a lot—I shouldn't say a lot—but there were definitely some folks that I hiked with that uh, you know, as many people do, they get they get um, absorbed in this through hiker experience, and they they went straight to right. the PCT and did it in 95, 96, which were somewhere in there was a huge snow year because I know they had some trouble. Um, mm-hmm. But so can I rip through the list real quick? Now you did it opposite. Yeah. You did Pacific yeah. Crest Trail first, and then you went to the Appalachian. Um, Correct. Back in my day, a lot of people went the other way. They do the Appalachian first, and then they go to the PCT. But things are so different today. Um, but I want right. the I want the listeners to hear this list because it's stunning. It's stunning. This blew me away when I did some research on on your yeah. travels and, and and you know I, I I don't mean to embarrass you, but this is just so impressive to me. I got to rip the list off here real quick. Are you ready? Tell me if I get anything wrong. Right, let's do it. And I, I think right. it sounds let's like I need to add Lewis and Clark because you just did that. But all right, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, the Bart Smith Tour of National Scenic and Historic Trails. Are you ready? Embrace yourself because this is unbelievable. The Pacific Crest Trail that was ninety two. Yes, and then eight. I'm just out of curiosity. Well, real up, quick. up through ninety. I, I went back and rehiked certain sections. Um, so really, at ninety six, oh. it's kind of ninety two to ninety six for the PCT. Okay, okay, fair enough. And then the AT did, was that? Did you one piece or did you kind of section it? Over two years. That was over two years. And here again, I'm photographing it. You know, carrying twenty pounds, and I'm not hiking slow, but. Um, uh, I'm also doing construction work, you know, so I, I do three months on sometimes four months. Um, but the first, yeah, the AT and the PCT were section hiked. Yeah. You still get huge respect for me. So you don't, you don't even have to asterisk that. Okay. So that, so Pacific Crest trail first, Appalachian trail, then Florida trail, ice age trail, yeah. Natchez trace trail, Potomac heritage trail, North country trail, continental divide trail. Pony Express Historical Trail, Arizona Trail, Pacific Northwest Trail, which, by the way, had to be in its infancy then. I'm dying asking about that. The Nez yeah. Perce, if I, is it Perce Trail? Nez Perce? Did I say that right? Nez Pierce. Nez Pierce, Pierce, Pierce. okay. Trail. Um, trail of Tears, the El Camino Real de los Tejas, which is obviously not El, the Camino. El Camino Real de los Tejas. Tejas, and that, that was, I'm guessing, like Mexico, Arizona, where, where would that be? It goes It goes from Nacogdoches, uh, uh, Louisiana, across Texas really? to Eagle, a place called Eagle Pass is where I went. It, it braids into certain areas, but it, it was related to the Spanish colonial era, wow, and that's okay. how far the priests traveled. I mean, they went across, they had a, you know, they were trying to develop Texas as a, uh, as a Spanish colony. Okay. 
And wow, so interesting. I didn't. Yeah. I knew nothing about that. See, like some of these, the next yeah. one on the list is Oregon Trail. So I've obviously heard of that. The Mormon Pioneer Trail, never heard of that. Of course, the Pony Express, mm-hmm. I think most people would know that. The California Trails, the Long Trail, which I think most people would know. The Colorado Trail, the Lost Coast Trail, which I know where that is, and that's really cool. The Chilkut, which I loved. Yeah. I thought the Chilkut was fascinating. I like that myself. Right on, yeah. That was yeah. that was awesome. The Santa Fe Trail, yep. the Old Spanish Trail, the El Camino Real de Tierra Adentro. you got to help me on that one. Yeah. Where is that? Uh, El, El Camino Real de uh, no, El Camino Real Tierra Adentro. And that, that here again, that's uh, one of the Spanish colonial air trails. I think it goes back to 1599. I mean, that's kind of crazy. I mean, you know, that far back when the uh, um, it connected Mexico City with Santa Fe and a little further beyond, but essentially with Santa Fe. And it was a major, very important trade route with um, the northern section, the northern tier of the spanish colonial um states well i knew nothing about that trail so that that was one that fascinated me the selma to montgomery national historic trail um is one i am familiar with and and that had to be an experience Mm -hmm. and i'll never pronounce this right it's in hawaii i think it's a coastal route the ala yeah the ala ala kahakai kahakai what what island is that on kahakai is that Kauai? What what island are we talking here? It's it's the big island, and it starts. I started at the on the very northern tip, and it basically, like you say, it, it's uh, it was connected fishing villages, and it goes back a thousand years, um, and it connected fishing villages all down the um, what would it be the west side of the big island, and it goes down um, around the uh, volcano national park. Um, and ends kind of on the northeastern side of the national park down there. So um, it goes around about two-thirds of the Big Island, and um, it's a historic trail. And uh, most of the um, trail, well, it's hard to say how much of it is actually walkable. I mean, I'm being very rough when I say about 50% of it, and then about the other 50% is roads, you know, having to connect it with roads. And that was the way that, that was the case with most of the historic trails. Most of the historic trails I'm following as close as I can to the to the route, um, most of the time walking rural roads. With the case of the Alakahakai, there, there are a lot of original sections of trail where um, it goes across these incredibly inhospitable lava flows that can go for five, ten miles. Yeah. And um, there's no way, I mean, it would be extremely dangerous to just try to by yourself walk across these lava flows because they're unstable, they're sharp. But they put, they literally placed uh, um, wave smooth rocks. When I say they, these are um, Polynesians from hundreds of years ago. Okay. Um, Put these wave smooth rocks all the way across, creating a trail that they could walk on um, and connect their fishing villages without necessarily having to uh, canoe around. Wow. (laughs) Real fascinating. Uh, And then um, water can be a challenge on that one. And it's kind of Hawaii so interesting because, you know, you think of it as paradise and uh, some of the areas I came across were, I mean, they were just, you know, came across beautiful beaches, but a lot of it was pretty darn tough. And it was, it was actually quite a challenging uh, hike. You know, in the intro, I think I said you've done 
close to 35,000 miles, but now the way we're talking, it's probably more. I've still got five other trails on this list here, and I didn't even say the yeah. Lewis, Lewis yeah. Clark here. That You helped me out with the Juan, it's Juan Batista de Anza. Juan, Juan right? Batista de Anza. And mm-hmm. that, that's, there's four of the National Historic Trails that are um, that are from the, go back to the Spanish colonial era. And I mean, that's, you know, walking on these trails, walking on the historic trails, um, I, I've obviously learned a lot about the history of the United States, and it's fascinating to me how um, how much of an impact you know Spain had uh, on Western uh, the United States. That when I was growing up, that wasn't a part of history that I had really heard, uh, learned in you know in elementary school or uh, junior high or high school or anything. But um, there's four trails, the old, and the other one is the old Spanish trail, and um, so yeah, four trails. Um, that go back to the uh, trade within the uh, Spanish co- uh, colonies. Okay. Well, and, and so we're almost through the list. I mean, uh, I didn't mention the Star Spangled Banner Trail yet, and then you've got the Over Mountain mm-hmm. Victory Trail, which I know well because it crosses the AT at that really cool oh, right on. barn house. Um, which Roan Mountain. Yeah, 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 right yeah, right around Roan. Uh, and then I understand you flew by Bush Plane to do some of the uh, – I know I'm going to say this I wrong. did a rod? Yes, I did a rod. Um, and then you just mentioned yeah. you did the yeah. Lewis and Clark. So, wow. Yeah. Like, wow. I mean, you know, what is the one trail that blew you away the most? What is the one trail that blew you the, that you want to go back to, I guess, is the question. Um, well, and I, I guess I should say that there's such a big difference between, you know, walking a National Scenic Trail versus a National Historic Trail. And the Historic Trails, it's kind of important to – that I should mention that um, they're not designed to be walked. I mean, most, most of them do have like airy, you know, sections of trails that can be walked. And, uh, you know, I highly recommend that, but as, as far as walking them as a through hike, um, it's, it's not um, uh, the, um, like the national uh, trails associations, they don't recommend it. They strongly kind of recommend not doing it because you, you are walking, um, with traffic a lot of the time. And it really is, uh, you, uh, I mean, I always have to pay a lot of attention to the traffic. Um, um, as an example, like with the Lewis and Clark trail, I mean, you know, it sounds romantic following the Lewis and Clark trail, but the reality is, um, you know, I'm walking state highways, sometimes interstates. I mean, uh, I had to walk interstate 84, um, going up to uh, Columbia and then basically from the Columbia, then you follow the snake river, but there's also a lot of sections along the Lewis and Clark Trail that are still very wild. The, the section across in, uh, the Bitterroots follows a route called the Lolo Motorway, okay. and it's not cleared. It's not cleared for um, for four wheel drive traffic until August. But I was going through um, in June, and I knew it was going to be tough, and it was really, really tough because I, with the historic trails, I've been most of the historic trails. I pushed my stuff on a baby jogger. Mm. Um, I did see and, that. I saw uh, that and in on that repos. case, I knew that it was going to be really challenging because there was so much snow okay. and a lo- and so many blowdowns because of the uh, pine bark, partly because of the pine bark beetle infestation. A lot of trees are coming down. But uh, and then um, and then I canoed 150 miles of the Missouri Breaks National Monument. Okay. Um, and that that was the high point of uh, the Lewis and Clark. That was just such. I would recommend that to anybody. It's a. Um, mm-hmm. 150 miles, and you go through some of the most um, 
I think, impressive Western landscape in the United States is just fantastic. Hey, so if I could, you, you when you did Lewis and Clark, you were trying to do it by October 2018, right? And there, there was a reason for that. Well, October 2nd, October 2nd. Okay. Yeah, 2018, exactly. You, you want to explain to the uh, listeners uh, why that was the case? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and this is like going back. When I started uh, the historic trails, it was kind of with the intent of completing them all on October 2nd to honor the um, the signing of the National Trails Act, which was signed into law on uh, October 2nd, 1968 by uh, Lyndon Johnson. And it had been about, I think it was two to three years in the making, the um, National Trails Act. And and what that, uh, the first two trails that were designated was the Appalachian Trail, which already existed, and the Pacific Coast Trail, which already existed. And those were the two first national trails, and they were national scenic trails. And uh, it, it wasn't, uh, it was another 10 years before they made an amendment to include national historic trails with the national trail system. So now you have the uh, national scenic trails, of which there's 11, and um, the national historic trails, of which there's 19. And, um, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to, you know, walk all of the walkable sections of the trails along the entire national trail system and, and trying to finish by October 2nd, which, which I did, I did, I was able to pull it off. I, I really didn't know if I was going to the whole time. I mean, wow. because I, I, and I could have, you know, I had family members that said, you know, don't worry about it. You can just, um, get a ride to St. Louis because I wanted to finish at the arch, um, on October second, on at the uh, at St. Louis, but I, you know, I, I didn't want to take a ride or, and then have to go back and hike it. I just wanted to be able to finish it, and um, I was able to do it. I, it did require I, I wasn't able to take a day off of rest for, um, gosh, probably six weeks or something. I took one day off in a six week period, and um, some days walking a lot of thirty thirty ish mile days, um, which which is more than I usually do. And so this, this did, I usually don't hike as many miles as I had to on the Lewis and Clark, but I, I was um, pretty much set on trying to finish on the October 2nd. And I was kind of hoping that it would turn into maybe a bit of more good publicity for the 50th anniversary. And uh, they had TV cameras there for the local TV stations. And, um, but I don't know if there was much national news about it. At one time, uh, Lester Holt, the um, uh, head anchor for the NBC, NBC Nightly yeah, News, sure. was um, going to come out and walk with me for a day. But that uh, and that was in leading up to it about a week about um, that would have been in September. And it was about three weeks when we were um, contacting back and forth and trying to set it up. But it, it fell through. They had other things going on. Hmm. But that would have been kind of neat. Hey, to, get, to give you credit, though, I'm not leaving anything out. We got all your trails mentioned there. Did I miss one? Uh, I think I, – I, I'm not sure if you mentioned the Wisconsin Ice Age Trail. Oh, one of the, uh, you know, I've been on that. That, that. that is a really cool trail. Yeah. yeah it um, is. Yeah, yeah. Is there any others that I missed yeah. that we need to at least throw out uh, there? The New England Trail. The New Eng- yeah, both in, – in 2009, they uh, – I actually finished the eight national trails for 28 years. There were just eight national scenic trails. And, um, the year I finished the eight, um, in, that was in 2008. Uh, and I finished them for the 40th anniversary. That's an, so I was always kind of in a hurry then it's like, I'm always trying to hit these anniversaries, 
But after I finished the, and that was the Continental Divide Trail, I had to finish that in time to fly to Washington, D.C., where I gave a presentation at the the Smithsonian Museum, which was pretty, it was a pretty awesome experience. Um, And that was for the 40th anniversary of the uh, National Trails Act. And then in 2009, um, they uh, created three, they designated three more trails to the National Scenic Trail System. And that was the uh, New England Trail, which is only 220 miles. So it's by quite a bit the shortest of the National Scenic Trails. Yeah. And then the Arizona Trail, um, which I thought was definitely, I mean, all the trails I think are, are worth worthwhile of having National Scenic designation. But I, I was just really pleased that the Arizona Trail was included because uh, the Sonoran Desert is really one of my favorite environments. You know, obviously it's, um, you know, got to be there at the right time, but it's um, so beautiful, you know, if you got good weather. So, and, uh, and then the, and then the uh, Pacific Northwest Trail is the other of the, uh, so now we have 11 National Scenic Trails. Yeah. And I've actually done an interview on the uh, Pacific Northwest Trail, which I, which was really interesting to me, but you know, I was very familiar. Was Strickland by chance? Uh, no, it was not. Okay. It it was, uh, he was the fellow who, um, who is basically his baby. I mean, his, for years, he had this crazy idea of connecting the, uh, uh, Glacier National Park with the Olympic National Park. And it took him years and years. And, uh, I've got to know him quite well. He and I walked the, uh, the parts of the long trail and we hiked the New England trail. So, yeah, we're good friends. And, um, and he's one of, there's only two people that uh that are still alive where that uh you know the trail was kind of their baby that with the florida trail jim's jim kern uh was the one who put that together so and that that's a long one no the uh the interview i do on the pacific northwest trail is actually episode 34 and it was with a guy that hiked it alex uh Meyer money shot was the guy that hiked it so uh-huh. I, I really just okay. I, I grabbed a through hiker that had just gone through but it sounded super yeah. cool. I've, I've heard a lot about the Arizona Trail. I really did not know much about the New England Trail. So that was that was uh, a trail that I was not familiar with. But, I mean, yeah. do you have yeah. a favorite? Well, let me first, let me ask you this. I have a million questions for you. I'm trying to figure out how, how to not make this a four-hour interview. I know. But, yeah, um, that's right. So everyone talks about the Appalachian Trail, the Continental Divide. In the Pacific Crest, but um, yeah. what what in your opinion yeah. is the trail that is the most understated, the most underappreciated? If you if you put it in that context, um, and to me the the Pacific Northwest Trail, it's it's kind of the new exciting trail, so to speak. I mean, um, oftentimes people go learn from the Appalachian Trail to the Pacific Crest Trail, and then the CDT, and of those three then the pacific northwest trail is kind of most similar to those uh, although it's very unique in that you're going east west or west east and so you're going up the mountain range down the mountain range and there's a lot of mountain ranges i mean um you know ones that you don't necessarily always hear about like the selkirks and uh who i mean the names escape me but and then uh, but then you go through the north cascades which is just spectacular and um and then you go through uh, Skagit Valley, which is beautiful. I mean, that, that's just, I'm from Washington State, so I'm kind of biased towards that kind of stuff. And then you cross the uh, the Puget Sound, which is kind of a unique thing. You take a ferry, and then you get to um, the Olympic National Park, and that's one of one of my favorite national parks. And it ends um, in one of my favorite areas, which is uh, Second Beach and um, Lake Ozette area. Um, uh, 
I forget the point there. Uh, yeah, it ends at a certain point on the ocean, but it's just beautiful. I mean, and uh, so uh, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, hiking that trail. That was um, the. Uh, but I, I mean, like I say, with the Arizona Trail, the Arizona Trail is surprising that it goes through a lot of. You're climbing a lot of mountains. I mean, they're here again. You know, it's like wow, I didn't realize. Uh, Arizona had they they call them uh, sky islands, you know, and, and oh, they're yeah. kind of yeah. con- concentrated mountain mountain ranges. Sometimes just a mountain, but the uh, Arizona Trail go to it, and you go up into it, and uh, so you get up into the palm or the palm, the, um, the pines, and into really kind of a wilderness, quite a wilderness area, and then all of a sudden you go back down in, into the desert, and it's, um, it's hot as hell. And there's no water, a, right? When you get down yeah, low, yeah, water. Yep, that, that that was the big challenge for me, and and I ended up uh, having to um, filter water from the the nastiest cow tanks. They call them tanks, but they're really just mud holes. And uh, there were times when I had to uh, filter water using a catadine. I always use. I've always been a catadine person, just because it always kind of worked for me. But um, filtering the water while literally there could be a cow standing in the you know water do, doing their business but it was at that time there was that was the only alternative uh since that that was in 2009 and since then i've talked to people that have done the arizona trail and they've really gone out of their way to, to put a lot more uh water caches oh, right. and and um you know they're gps so so you kind of know where they're going to be at but uh it, you still want to do that trail in like April or March, um, because it gets, starts getting hot fast. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I did it too late in the, I, um, kind of got in on the very end part of, uh, I started April 9th and finished, um, May, May, uh, late, late May. I mean, but it was 800, it's 800 miles. And, yeah, um, there were a couple of days when it was hot, you know, I kind of had to pay the price for that. So I'm dying to ask you, how do you get the time part? How do you get the time? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean that, that, that is, I mean, there's probably a lot of people listening to the podcast that are blown away. I mean, we kind of got away from photography for a minute and I know that you take right. pictures of all these trails, which is, you know, really, really the real story here. But, um, I, I'm just, I'm so blown away by the, the, the number of trails you've hiked. I, how do you do it? Please, please. Yeah. Share. Yeah. Well, it's, this whole thing has been a team effort and my wife Bridgie is, uh, she's a nurse and she's, uh, she's been as, she's not actually a big backpacker. She, in fact, uh, she likes car, loves car, car camping. And on a couple of the trails, um, she, uh, like the, um, Natchez trace that one, uh, she, she did a lot of car camping a long while I'd be hiking and uh, we had a great time, but, but most of the time she's not a, not a backpacker, but she's, as she's been as um if anything i'd say more determined that i complete this than uh than than even as myself and which a lot of people find that hard to believe it's just i don't know something that nobody's ever done before and um and i i have shown a proven record to be able to get images that can you know be published in books and that kind of stuff and i now have uh Eight eight books published. It will be eight. There's one coming out on the Pacific Crest Trail in April. Um, but but absolutely, I would never have been able to do this without the uh, support of uh, my wife Bridgie, 
And the amount of effort that, you know, is involved on her end to take care of the house when I'm away for five months, it's uh, it's pretty overwhelming uh, that she's been able to do this the, the whole time. And uh, so I am extremely fortunate, you know, to have been able to do this entire thing. And, you know, the, the whole time I'm away, as, as you know, as you know, through you know, through hikers know is that you have to be kind of lucky that nothing goes bad with your family while you're away. And, um, a lot has to go right that you can take all this time off and have the, you know, the luxury of time to walk these trails. And I just, I guess I was, you know, so I'm a lucky guy. Yeah. I mean, from a financial standpoint though, you've been able to uh, really, I mean, you've been able <laughs> oh, to fund it a do lot. Do we have to talk about that? No, well, I mean, I'm not going to ask you the specifics, just, but you've been no, able to fund it from yeah. your photography though. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah, uh, not, you know, I did construction work for up until 2004. So it's, I mean, since 2004, it's, it's basically been, you know, me walking the trails and getting some money from the book, some of the, uh, the book, America's Great Hiking Trails, um, that, that, that was pretty good financially. Um, but um, most of it has been, you know, uh, got to be honest, and is this has been my wife's support with as you know we, we live frugally i drive a uh, ford windstar 1998 windstar um you know we don't live in a big house um so there, there's a lot of sacrifices that you know had to be made but um you know from my point of view you know you can have a, a nice you know uh somebody a lot of people have an expensive boat that they take out and that kind of stuff for me you know the, the money spent is more the time require i mean for food and lodging and and that kind of thing um which isn't to say that's nothing i mean that is a fair bit of money over time but um i guess that's just how um how it's worked out but i do want to sell my prints i mean that is out there as a uh, something that i really haven't pushed yet because i haven't had time because i've been walking on the trails but i do want to sell signed limited edition prints representing uh each of the trails and I'd like to do it in such a fashion that um, a certain amount of a percentage can go towards um, nature conservancy or possibly the trails and uh, and possibly um, the vets, something with the vets. I would love to be able to have a charitable donation that goes to uh, the vets and the, you know, nature as far as the trails go. Do you, do you want to give a quick plug to how people can find you? Uh, well, my my uh, website is uh, Walking Down a Dream, and uh, here again, I've, I've hardly had any chance to do anything on it since I've been home. I, I put that together right before I left uh, for the Lewis and Clark Trail. I um, it, it um, I updated it pretty dramatically from what it had been. Um, but as, and as far as following, I haven't really done. If, if there's some areas where I, you know I should improve, it's the um, uh, sharing, you know, sharing on the internet and that kind of thing. I had a, uh, with Instagram, I don't get that excited about Instagram, uh, but that's probably my fault, you know. Um, but I do have an Instagram account, and uh, but walking down at my website, walking down the dream, you can see the images and kind of get an idea of the scale of the project. And um, hopefully, you know, people, if they're not familiar with the trails, they can kind of get inspired of, of what uh, the beauty along the trails and and the interesting subjects along the trails. You're a great photographer. I, you know, as somebody that spent a lot of time taking a lot of pictures, and I have books and books of negatives of, you know, the old 35 millimeter film that you used to put in the bulk film 
Breaker, yeah. right? Oh, I mean, yeah. you know, you, you can relate to that. Yeah. I can tell you and I are kindred spirits in that one. But um, um, you, you've got some phenomenal photography, which, uh, you know, it, we kind of got into the long distance trail discussion there for a minute. I do want to come back to that. Hey, but before we get mm-hmm. back to photography, I want to ask you about Nimblewell Nomad because um, yeah. I, know, I know you guys have hiked together. I know you've spent, you know, respectable amount of time on the trail together. And I know he's also kind of yeah. on the same mission. Um, I, I think the listeners uh, would probably be really curious just to hear about your experience together and how you're sort of out there doing the same thing. And, you know, their first thought is like, wow, you know, this is there's this is amazing. I wonder if there's anybody else that's ever tried it, right? And there is somebody that's also tried it, and you know them well, right? You want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, Nimble Nomad, I actually called him up when before he was going to do the Lewis and Clark Trail on the 200th anniversary. This is back in 2002. And we talked. Um, I'd never hiked with him. I, I knew that he was going to do the trail. And just asked him, you know, if, if, if he'd mind if I came along. And we thought about it. Um, as it was, I, I wanted to continue doing the National Scenic Trail. So that kind of fell through. But then um, then after once I, he saw that I was starting to do the historic trails, um, and that's something that he, he loves doing, the, you know, so, so many of the westward, you know, westward bound historic trails. And I did the uh, Oregon Trail in 2012, and then he did it, I think, in 2013. And then I was had all these other trails to walk, and it's like, you know, it's like, why, why don't we do this together? And so we uh, started out on the California Trail. We walked the California Trail from Pocatello, Idaho, to um, across Nevada. It goes way south, and then you cross Nevada, and then you cross the uh, Sierras, and it ends up at Sutter's Fort in uh, Sacramento. And um, that, that sounds and that like was, a, that, that sounds was, like a wagon route. It's like is that a wagon route kind of like the old yeah, wagons? Yeah, that that was the gold rush. That was the gold um that, that was the 49ers trail and then um some immigrants, but mo- most of the immig- most of the uh wagon travel went on the Oregon Trail. Um and but it's so fascinating following these historic trails. It, it, um, if there's a one of the historic trails that I, you know, a favorite, so to speak, it would be the Oregon Trail, probably just because, for one thing, it's um, you're following in the footsteps of uh, literally hundreds of thousands. They, I mean, they believe between 400 and 500,000 people. I mean, that's kind of hard to believe. Yeah. Um, did the travel to the Oregon Trail between uh, 1848 and like 1858 or something, you know, in that 10 year period. But most of it was around um, from 1850 to uh, 1855. There was just a mass migration. The largest um, unforced or um, you know volunteer migration in human history, I guess. Yeah. You know, from what I've read, and uh, and so and those ruts are still there uh, through um, a, a good bit of um, Wyoming and uh, certainly in Idaho, and it's just you know and in Oregon and. To see the the ruts, the swales, uh, you know, here 170, 160 years later, uh, is and every now and then you still see uh, grave sites along the way that yeah. have you know survived all these years. I saw on your website about mm-hmm. the wagon wheels, right? I thought that was really interesting. That that's fascinating. Those things could survive that long. I guess they're just uh, in the deep mud that 
turned to rock? Well, the only the only vestige of the uh, I, I have some photographs. You're right. Uh, that one, um, a couple of them were in locations where they went through. My guess is, and and I probably should have stated that, but I don't know 100 percent sure. But I'm guessing that was probably a farm wagon from later years. Oh right. Probably probably wasn't, but but it was at a spring where they you know where the wagon stopped. Um, but, uh, on the California trail, there's a section called the 40 mile desert. And, um, that's in, uh, in Nevada. And that was a location where they were, um, uh, extremely low on water and they knew it was going to be tough, but it's just heartbreaking because they had to dump so much of their weight just to get to the, uh, the Carson river. And a lot of times they would just have to dump off um, really important family heirlooms and that kind of stuff. But my my point is, to this day, uh, walking through there, we still saw rusted um, uh, oak barrel um, metal rings and and that kind of stuff. So there's still some vestiges uh, to this day. But, uh, yeah, they're becoming becoming less. um, But, uh, yeah, so... um, both the Oregon Trail and the Santa, Santa Fe Trail. I mean, just following the, the trails of the Western migration was, was really, really fun. But to get back to uh, Nimowell, I do want to mention that, yeah, that was just a fantastic experience. And, um, and what was so cool is he's got so much experience that he's done. Um, but he was, uh, he, he's always told me he's 78. Now, I know he had his 80th birthday this year, but wow, for years he told me he was 78. So wow. like uh, for for like a three year period, he was seventy eight years old. So yeah, he's he's getting up there for God's sakes. Wow, and, that's um, amazing. And but he, you know, he's one of these guys that can just hike at a at a good solid clip all day long, and um, that doesn't take too long at lunch breaks. And is he'll he'll usually get up earlier in the morning, um, so he'll get going, and then uh, I'd follow him. But the the handy thing was with me having the, um, the baby jogger, we could, I could carry some of his food. And, uh, but the main important thing was I could push a lot more water. And, um, so that really helped us on the Pony Express trail. That was another trail we did. We did the California trail and the Pony Express trail. Hey, when, when you guys um, were together in the California trail, I have to ask, you didn't run into the Donner party, did you? Well, we, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You, you, do, you do see where they're buried. You actually do see where one of them's buried. Really? So you go, but well, I guess you one would, is buried you, in Kansas. You would yeah. go right through there, right? I mean, that would make sense. I was kind of kidding, yeah, but now that we, it occurs we, to me, you're going on the same route. Yeah. 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 Um, we, we, in fact, the Donner party, um, they blazed the route that the Mormons followed to get from Fort Bridger to Salt Lake city. And uh, so when the Donner Party went through there, it, it, I mean, you really, it becomes tangible just how challenging it was um, for the Donner Party. Because they were, they, that, that was one of those scenarios where things went bad, just kind of kept going, they kept falling behind the season. And uh, they were trying desperately to catch up and they tried to take a shortcut. And that's what that was. They, they were trying to get a shortcut to what is present-day Salt Lake City, and it just ended up being extremely challenging. But that route ended up being what the Mormons followed, and uh, that's where they, at the end of the um, that section is where they said um, that uh, Brigham Young said, made an important location, that this, this is it. 
that it's an area that he says this is it, and that's where they decided to set their roots for the Mormons, and that's what became Salt Lake City. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so a lot of lot of history on the, on the trails, that's for sure. And one one fun thing about walking the historic trails is you can read about the the journals on, on you know so many of the trails uh, with the uh, with earlier tra- travelers, and you can kind of experience it the same way. Obviously, not anywhere near the hardships that you know the folks on the Oregon Trail had to deal with, but you can certainly appreciate the scale of the land. That's the one thing that I just um, we, it's easy to forget nowadays. Um, like when I came up to um, on the Oregon Trail, you go through Kansas and then along the um, Platte River in Nebraska for like a month, maybe. I mean, it takes that long, and you don't see anything on the horizon. It's just every it's flat and flat and flat, and and finally you see. Um, a bluff way off in the distance, and that's uh, Courthouse Bluff. And then you have Chimney Rock. And so these, um, the, the the way the, uh, the the pioneers talked about Chimney Rock was like this amazing landscape. And they they almost talk it, you know, you see it nowadays and say, oh yeah, that, that's neat. But I mean, for them, it was such an important thing to kind of give them some kind of sense of um, progress. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, you walk day in, day out, and it just looks like you're not making any progress at all. Experiencing the, the scale of the land um, was, was um, you know, to this day, it's still kind of the one thing that you can kind of relate with. Yeah, it's a little different when you're flying down a highway at 80 miles an hour versus on a wagon train yeah. and, you know, or walking, right? It's something in the distance has a much bigger impact. <laughs> You know, it's yeah, somebody yeah. from the East Coast, too, I I could especially appreciate these folks that were living on the East Coast that went to the West, that were blown away by the vastness of the West. Um, right. What What do you think are um, our biggest threat? Now that, you, I mean, you've experienced the national parks, the historic trails, like few in this country have. Um, yeah. What, what do you think the biggest threat that they face are today? Yeah. Um, on a physical level, I would... I would say for the Western trails, the Continental Divide Trail, Pacific Coast Trail, Pacific Northwest Trail, it's going to be such a challenge uh, to keep them uh, clear of all the trees that are going to fall down with all the burns, you know, with all the fires, and then with the um, so many of the uh, lodgepole pine, pine forests. Oh, right. Are, are just vast sections, vast mileage of, you know, as far as I can see, you can see there's, they're dying. And so what's going to happen when they're all falling? I don't know. I mean, that's going to be a really uh, huge investment in keeping. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, only so many will fall over here and be able to keep up with it. But I, I think that's that's going to be a real challenge. Um, on another level, it's something that you were talking about, too, This as, as we get into this new you know, digital era, um, I, I, I think that you know, the, the trails are going to become more important than ever for people to kind of get some kind of semblance of um, relating with the world as, you know, 99.99% of humanity as, which is reality, you know, dealing with reality, dealing with um, the challenges that come with the weather and with obstacles and that kind of thing. Whereas, um, but, but the concern is that, uh, as few and fewer people start hiking, it, it might become a bit of a lost uh, recreation um, or just overwhelmed 
recreation. I don't know. I don't know if I'm explaining it very well, but I, I just hope that, um, that that's one good thing about long distance hiking. It seems like if anything, it's becoming more um, popular. And so I'm, I'm, you know, delighted to hear that. Yeah, but uh, a lot of trails like in the Cascades, um, you know, they're starting to become unused in a number of them. And you just wonder how, how long we can keep them maintained. Yeah. I mean, I guess I gets to the other question I had, is there a message you'd like to get to the backpackers out there? I mean, you've seen country like no one has, uh, or like few have, um, like what, what message can you get to them to, um, help the cause, I guess is, is what I'm asking. Yeah. Um, and this is, I mean, I mean, speaking to backpackers, I'm kind of, I mean, a lot of people, have, you know, would have experienced what I'm about to say, but just having faith in yourself and your fellow man. And, um, I, for me, I, it's kind of amazes me that I've now walked, uh, 34,000 miles just along the national trail system, but I've never had a bad sit, uh, run in with another person. I mean, you'd, you'd kind of think that maybe something bad would happen somewhere, but if anything, if I've had some, you know, uh, it hasn't happened very often, but if I do need help, you know, I'm not afraid at all to ask somebody for help and, you know, they're more than willing to, to uh, help out. And I just can't, when you experience, and this is what other, you know, through hikers experience too. So we're kind of speaking to the choir, but I'm just how kind people are, you know, on a day-to-day basis on a, you know, just feet on the ground, um, uh, dealing with people all over the country with all, you know, different um, political persuasions and everything like that. It's just, people have been so nice, so kind. It's kind of overwhelming. I kind of feel like I've, I really need to write about 10,000 thank you letters and send them out. But uh, people have been so kind along the entire route. And so I, I, I hope people kind of take that away that um, maybe it's not as scary as people might think. Yeah, no, and, I agree. And, and most backpackers know, backpackers know that because they've experienced it. Well, and you, you live in a big city like I do, or at least, you know, you're Seattle, Tacoma. So that's a pretty major city. Same here with me in Atlanta, yeah. right? It's, uh, it's kind of surprising how, uh, you, you, I guess when you're in a city, you, you always have your guard up a little bit, right? And when you when you get in the backcountry and you're sort of so dependent on others for things that uh, how they consistently come through for you, you know? Yeah, yeah. Faith is it's a bizarre thing when when you experience, um, uh, you know, just everything works out. Um, I just always figure it's going to work out, and it always does. <laughs> Something to be said for faith, you know, both in yourself and your fellow man. And, and, uh, you know, so, yeah. So Bart, you you didn't really have, yeah, it sounds like you've never really had a bad experience with a person in the backcountry. Have you ever had a bad experience with a bison or some type of animal? Well, um, I think I remember reading you had some bear issues, right? Yeah. Had a bear situation. Um, and what's kind of funny is, uh, you know, people often, They'll, the first thing they'll say is, are there bears out there? And um, so it's like, no, you really don't have to worry about a bear. And then I started thinking back, well, I guess I get, did get bit by that bear. But uh, that was a camp bear. That was um, that was in 93 on the uh, Pacific Crest Trail in the San Gabriels. And uh, uh, I just walked out of the Cajon. I was uh, out of Cajon Pass. And it's like 25 miles up to the camp in San Gabriels. And it, it was a, a regular car camp. I mean, drive you know cars could drive there um, but there was nobody there when i was when i set up camp and i was exhausted and i saw something run off but i just didn't 
think much that I'd have to worry about it. And uh, this was back now. I always put up my tent, but back then I just sleep out under the stars. I mean, it's California and it's always sunny. So uh, just sleeping in my sleeping bag. And I should mention that at the time, my wife was dehydrating food for me. Um, she hasn't done that since then. But um, the uh, had dehydrated uh, chili. Um, didn't think anything. Got a big bowl of delicious chili. Felt good. Went to bed. And at um, one in the morning, uh, just uh, felt immediate. It's, it's hard to describe when uh, feel this clamp on my butt. And within a second, I just recognized that, you know, I'm in serious trouble. Um, but all I could do was roll over and just going, huh, huh, huh. I mean, I didn't know what else to do. And, um, but the bear, uh, I looked up and the bear just kind of took several steps back and kind of looked at me and then trotted off. And I just sat up and said, oh, expletive, expletive. I just been bit by a bear. Wow. And, um, yeah, bit me on the, on the, but but what it was was the uh, chili. I think the digestive processes of the chili was in effect, and uh, <laughs> it attracted the uh, the bear. Mm. So I, I guess. Um, but yeah, so I get. Um, but but nowadays, you know, on the on the Pacific Crest Trail, uh, they've really gone to great lengths to put up bear boxes, and now you have to carry. Well, you, you, I think it's a wise thing, but you have to carry the. Uh, uh, bear, bear box or no bear uh, capsule. Oh right, right. Put your food in the plastic capsule. Yeah, the container. Because uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I had yeah. those in Alaska. I know exactly what you mean. Um, they're uh-huh. they're pretty heavy and they're cumbersome, but I understand why you got to do it. Hey, just out of curiosity exactly. on that on that bear situation, did you? I mean, mm-hmm. what'd you do? Like, uh, you couldn't probably get out very easily from your campsite. Like how no, to, you're right. What what did yeah. you do to um, deal with that? Put up my put up my put up my tent, and then uh, didn't sleep too well. But I, I think I just ended up falling back asleep. And then um, in the morning, I mean, I, I had four bruises from each one of the canines, and and uh, when it first happened, I, I, I thought it broke skin. I mean, it it hurt. I mean, uh, I was kind of surprised that it didn't tear into the sleeping bag and that's uh, didn't turn to me but like i say um left four pronounced bruises <laughs> from uh from each one of the, the canines but like and like i say it was a camp bear and, and camp bears without question are, are the most dangerous yeah so i, I gotta believe that that, then, that, yeah. that that made you super cautious with your food around camp from that day forward i'm sure even though you i'm, yeah. su- I'm sure you were careful to begin with but um, I right, mean, is, right. Is, yeah. is there, is there ever... I actually had dreams about a bear dragging me off in a sleeping bag for like under, the next five I years. I mean, you know, why. maybe twice a year I'd have that dream and I'd, I'd wake up, my, my wife would elbow me because I mean, Hey, are you dreaming about the bear again? But, uh, wow. it's like, yeah, I have this dream that I'm just being dragged through the woods in my sleeping bag. <laughs> do, you, do you ever let your guard down to this day? Like, you know, you just sort of get lazy and like, oh, I'm not going to have a problem with the bear. I'll just... I'll just throw the food like, you know, um, four feet up well, in a tree. Well, it depends on, depends on where I'm at. I mean, if I'm in grizzly country, no. Oh, right, but right, uh, right. if there's areas where, you know, there's some bear, uh, I'm still kind of maybe, maybe a little too cavalier about uh, tying up food. But I, I most of the time I tie up food. Now, if I'm in grizzly country, I, I definitely tie up food, no question. 
So we we haven't even talked about your books yet, which I got to give you some time on that. But let let me ask you before we move to the books. Um, mm-hmm. And we really, I had a million questions for you on photography. I'm not kidding you, Bart. I could literally talk to you for hours. But um, I, I know you can't sit on the phone for four hours, so I'm trying to go through some of my questions for you. What are, what are the scenic, you know, historic trails? What what makes your top five? Can you give us that? Well, for the historic trails? Is, is that what you're saying? Or, this, or you say uh, you know, the I top would, five of all of, I, of all. 30 or that's, that's tough. And that's a really hard question for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, let, it, yeah, it is. Let yeah. me, let me ask the question this way in two ways. Uh, top five for backpacking. If you're a long distance backpacker, uh, the top five that, you know, if you would ever do again, those would be the five. And then the top, yeah. top five in terms of photography. I think that'd be good too. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, uh, I guess with the, um, the National Scenic Trails, the uh, Triple Crown, you, you got to kind of include those three. I mean, just because they are so incredible, the AT, CDT, and the PCT. So those three right there. Um, and then I, I really enjoyed the uh, Florida Trail. That, I mean, there's sections of the Florida Trail where uh, you're going through Palmetto, Longleaf, Pine, um, a fair bit of logging areas and that kind of thing. But uh, as far as like one location that to me was just the most um, primordial, just really um, wilderness area. It's kind of ironic that it's in Florida, which is, you know, such a populated area, but the um, big Cypress preserve area um, walking through there and and you have to walk through um, water that it can get three feet deep uh, or even deeper at times. So you're walking through water, and, and um, but just with the swamps, just the the kind of spooky, mysterious ambiance of the uh, big cypress swamp. I just I loved it, man. I just I, I just kind of captivated by that area. Wow, that's interesting. Um, I, I would have never called Florida for being in. The, well, I don't know if that's a fair statement, especially in the winter. You probably hiked it in the colder months, right? Yeah, yeah, and um, and that's the neat thing about it is you know you can hike it in the winter time. I did that in February, and it actually got cold. Well, I was surprised that they had a cold snap that came down where it was like 28 degrees. I wasn't really that prepared for it, and um, that was it, uh, it was one of the few times where I got the sickness from water. Um, I uh, had lunch and um, filtered water, and uh, everything was fine. Then walked another. I don't know, 80 yards and saw that there was a, a dead decomposing um, wild boar <laughs> in the uh, in the water source that I just drank. I thought, oh, gosh, I hope that's going to be okay. Mm. But And I'm guessing that was it. I mean, the, but uh, that night, oh, God, I got sick. And then it got, and then you had this cold front move in. So it was freezing cold. And, um, you know, it's expelling out of every end, end and everything. And, and then in the morning, I just felt weak. It just felt miserable. Oh, that's <laughs> so I, I did end up making it to a, uh, had to walk, I think, about 10 miles and then get to a road where I could uh, hitchhike um, out. And then I took a few days off to get recuperate. Yeah, and I, I but, don't think uh, most people would think Florida for being as desolate as it, as it could be, right? I mean, it actually could be. That's true. Yeah. But uh, so that that so um, you, you name four. What what would be your fifth? In, yeah, and then um, boy, that's that's an, it's a tough one. But uh, 
it's real tough between the Pacific Northwest Trail and the Arizona Trail. I mean, wow. with the Arizona Trail, you know, you got you going through the Grand Canyon and, and the Sonoran Desert. So, um, but if I was going to do one again, it'd probably be the Pacific Northwest Trail, just because you go through the North Cascades, some of my favorite place in the world. So, uh, so I go with the uh, North Pacific Northwest Trail. Okay. And then with the uh, historic trails. Um, I haven't, you know, put a lot of thought into it, but uh, like I say, the Oregon Trail, just because it was such an important chapter. I mean, it was a short chapter in American history, but so important. Yeah. Sure. Um, and then the uh, the Pony Express Trail. What's what's neat about it is there's still quite a few vestiges of the um, the stands where they they have the horses waiting. You know, they, the horses would travel about 20 miles. So about every 20 miles, there'd be a a stand or a, uh, they called it, there's another name they had for it. And to this day, um, you can still see remnants of foundations and uh, in one case, a deep well in the middle of nowhere is uh, in Nevada. And um, that they would dig down that well, probably 50, I don't, I don't know how many deep it was. You could drop a rock and it took a while to fall. But, uh, and just to appreciate the people that had to live out there, I mean, they are uh, the caretakers of the horses and they were just out in the middle of nowhere. And just, um, it's amazing that they thought they could even pull it off. I mean, the whole thing only lasted eight months, eight, excuse me, 18 months. And then it was replaced by the, uh, telegraph wires. But, um, so from a historic standpoint, that was, that was really interesting. Um, and then the, uh, just because it's such an incredible, um, experience with the Alakahakai on the big Island. I mean, Come on, Hawaii. That's kind of that's a fun place to, yeah. to uh, hike. It doesn't sound yeah. like a bad place to be in the backcountry, for sure. Yeah. Hey, so there's got to be and some what, trails. You know, I I almost feel bad for the international listeners because we actually have a surprising number of international listeners, and I'm getting a ton from yeah. Japan oh. right now. If you can believe that. But um, what what where what's on your list internationally? Oh, it's interesting that you say that because in January, I'm, uh, my wife Bridgie and I are we're going to Ecuador, and she's going to go to the beach, and I'm going to go to um, to Peru and walk the uh, the um, the Inca Trail. Pichu. Are you doing the Inca Trail? Yes. Oh my yeah. God! Yeah. You got to listen to yeah. the. Uh, can I can I plug a podcast episode here real quick? Absolutely. I just Absolutely. did a podcast recently on the Inca Trail. Right on. Yeah, it's episode. Um, are you going with the guide, by the way? Let me ask you that first. Yeah, as far as I understand it, you have to. That's what I've been told. I think you're right. It's episode number forty-eight. I think it uh, it will not only entertain you, but it will give you a lot of interesting insight about the Inca Trail. Are you, it's like a four-day, nice. four or five-day hike, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, I think I think mine might be nine, but it's going a little further, and then you connect up with the uh, with the Inca Trail, and I'm just now reading about the, the history of Machu Picchu, and yeah, really, really enjoying it. Uh, definitely looking forward to it. It'll be once I fly into Cusco. That's ten thousand feet, so hopefully that won't be an issue. But uh, yeah, I had two buddies uh, yeah, that did it. Uh, they loved it. They actually did talk about the altitude. So, um, but you know, if you have some time to acclimate, you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's so, yeah. awesome. What about Europe? Do you have any like European hikes that you're dying to do? 
Yeah, well, yeah, the I mean, got to do the the Camino Real. I mean, that's oh, on my list, yeah. and I'm I'm hoping I don't have that set up. You know, it's not like a I'll definitely do it this year, but I'm hoping in the next two years that uh, I'll be able to do that. Um, I'd love to do some hikes in uh, England, um, the England and and uh, Scotland. Um, so and then uh, the Alps. So when I was um, a boy. Uh, six years old and then later in 16 my dad went uh he was a professor of pediatrics and um i was very fortunate in that we did a fair bit of traveling and we lived in switzerland for a year and uh, that's when we did a lot of hiking in the alps and uh, certainly i would love to go back they they have a new trail that's it's basically uh, old i mean many trails that are connected and uh boy that would be fun to do kind of expensive now i mean the alps you know it's, it's a little different than putting up a tent every everywhere you want to that kind of thing but uh definitely would like to do that someday too so yeah there's no end to uh which is kind of nice to know that uh there's, won't the, come to the end of the road so the, there's the so much out there you could spend your life hiking trails so yeah. it, i think somewhere in there i thought you and i were swapping emails and you said something about the tour de mont blanc was that the was that one of the trails that you were looking at uh no but i mean that that is one that i don't i don't know if we could communicate that but yeah that is that, that is one of them so let's talk about your books because that's uh that's a big part of how this experience has worked out for you um yeah yeah no, it is yeah you want to talk yeah, about the photography like i said if i didn't I, you know i, I wish i was uh, i wish i really enjoyed writing you know but i like photography photography is what i enjoy doing so, I mean, that's really what's given me my sense of purpose through this whole experience and or project. And But I don't I, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't have a way to share my experience. Um, so the photographies, they, they kind of go hand in hand. But um, but yeah, so I, I've um, I now have uh, seven books published and um, and I'm hoping over time to. Um, to, to have more that I'd, I'd like to have one on America's historic trails. And that's, um, I'm, I'm in conversation with a, a publisher about that possibly happening in, in a year and a half or so. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. Yeah. I, th- I think that would be super popular. Um, you know, one that I enjoyed was the Appalachian trail calling me back to the Hills, which I, you put out uh, almost 10 years ago, actually yeah. more than that. Um, so I, right. I really wanted to ask you about your experience with Earl Schaefer because you, uh, you you wrote this book with his, you know, I guess cooperation. Can you can you tell yeah. us about that experience? Oh yeah, no, I, and I mean that was just so cool being able to get to know Earl. He was walking it in 1998 well, on the 50th anniversary of his 48 hike, and um, I I'd, I'd never heard of Earl Schaefer when I started the AT and. Uh, I think it was in, um, um, not Damascus, uh, another little trail town you get to before Damascus. Um, but he was, there was a person who was given a presentation and there was a line going around the block and I just followed the line, followed the line, followed the line. And at the very end, there's Earl shine, uh, signing his, uh, walking with spring books. Yeah. And um, and he gave the presentation in a, a church that night, and it was standing room, people couldn't get in, kind of thing. And um, so I was like, wow, that's that's neat to run into the first person who's ever walked, you know, through hike the uh, Appalachian Trail. And then later in the year, um, 
I ran into, I, I did a flip-flop on the AT, partly because I wanted to um, get the autumn colors in Maine um, oh. at their at their height. God, so so I actually did a flip-flop, went up to Katahdin and came down. And while I was walking south, I ran into uh, Earl again. Uh, I mean, you know, just he was the only one coming up. Uh, I think it was Webster Cliffs, I want to say. I had just gone through the um, the presidential ring. So this is in New Hampshire. And um, and I saw him coming up, and I thought, oh, my God, this, that's Earl Schaefer. And he, it was just him, and uh, we talked for a long time, and he had just come up, I, I, like I say, I want to say Webster Cliffs, but it was a long, I mean, you know that New Hampshire, I mean, the White Mountains, is, he had just come up, a massive ascent. And uh, he was kind of in a bit of a gnarly mood just because he was exhausted. And he was 78 at, at that time, too. Yeah, sure. And uh, I had just been through the presidential, the presidentials, and it had been cold and windy and blowing. And I was kind of concerned for him. He didn't have a whole lot of, um, you know, he, he was traveling light. <laughs> but, um, but we talked for a long time. And uh, then, later, then he went on, and thank goodness he did make it. He ran into another fellow who walked with him, named, a fellow named Dave Donaldson, Spirit of 48, who helped him kind of finish the trail. And then uh, that later that year, I thought, well, why not call up Earl and just see if I could maybe collaborate with him. And so I, um, he does, Earl didn't, doesn't have a, he didn't, uh, he's passed away since, but he didn't have a phone um, and lived in a very rustic area, yeah. real pretty, yeah. but uh, quite a rustic um, yeah. ranch with a barn. And uh, so I contacted his brother, John, and his brother, John was really encouraging. And so I went and drove to Yorktown and um, and as it, things turned out, we, I, my wife and I ended up staying with John and uh, his wife, Lois, John, John, again, is Earl's brother. And um, and so we got to go know the, the Schaefer's really very well. And uh, what, what an experience to get to listen to Earl talk, all his stories. And, uh, you know, he was, a, he was a great storyteller. And so um, we, we were there for about 10 days and really got to. Uh, Got to know Earl. Unfortunately, it was right um, that, uh, that when we went back um, was when he found out that he had the prostate cancer. And, um, so it was actually pretty sad the last time we saw him because we kind of knew it would be the last time. And yeah, it was, it was real. It was. Uh, I was very fortunate to have, to have gotten to know him right towards the latter part of his life. Yeah. How how was he like you expected, and how how was he totally different? Um. Hmm, man. Uh, well, he, he is a bit of a recluse. You know, he comes across as a bit, a bit of a reclusive person. And um, it was kind of, he wasn't real comfortable. On, he, he, he loved doing the 50th anniversary. And he, he you know, you get him going and, and he, you know, he'll certainly talk up an audience. But uh, he's certainly a, a private person. I didn't realize that, you know, he'd done this folk singing all, the, all these years and um, his brother since recorded many of his, uh, folk songs and I have some of his CDs and, uh, you know, it's folk music and, uh, hmm. and, uh, I, I still listen to it. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's got some great CDs. Um, I have never heard that. And, actually. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And he was quite the poet. Well, and, and then I didn't realize, um, just how, how impactful world war two, he was in the Pacific, um, Pacific arena of world war two, setting up um, radar stations throughout the atolls, throughout the Pacific uh, Pacific Ocean. 
And he did not have a furlough for like four years. I mean, for four years, he was out going from island to island, setting up these radars uh, stations. And uh, the one thing that he just um, gave him uh, kind of an escape, I suppose, from, from this, you know, from the war was his poetry. And he wrote massive amounts of uh, poetry. Hmm. And, um, and so uh, his brother has since edited through all the poetry and they put out some books of his, of his poetry as well. Wow. I did not know that. I'm, I'm sure you've yeah, read. You've, yeah. You've, and, you've... and I can appreciate a little bit more that, you know, walking the Appalachian trail really was a way for him to kind of deal with the loss of his best friend. His childhood friend died in Iwo Jima. Right. And uh, he never really you know, in a way, got over that um, by walking the Appalachian Trail. Um, you know, helped them out. And to this nowadays, they have uh, they uh, there's a there's a name for it, vets walking, um, and they'll set up where these uh, vets can walk the Appalachian Trail. And it's named something with Earl Schaefer, and I think it's so cool that they they honor Earl, you know, in, in that kind of fashion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so you, yeah. we probably crossed paths. I think uh, it was 2008. He spoke at Trail Days, and I, I, I read somewhere you were there. 1998. Yeah, it was 98. I'm sorry, not 08, but 98. Yeah. So I yeah. was there, and I saw him speak. And um, I mean, yeah, there's a very good chance we ran into each other. But uh, did you you saw him in that big hall that night, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. packed. Yeah. It was so, really interesting to me. Um, yeah, you know, I'm so glad I was. Had you heard that. of him beforehand? I mean, did you know of Walking with Spring? Yes, I did or, actually. I, I, you know, I named uh-huh. uh, I took the trail name Bird Shooter because of Earl Schaefer's hiking boots, which were Bird Shooter Sears and Roebuck. I'll be damned. Yeah, that's where huh. my tra- that's where my trail name came from. Actually, I read his I'll uh, be I read his book, and um, I didn't want somebody to give me a crappy trail name, so. I, I, I thought if I took the the trail name Bird Shooter that I couldn't let Earl down. I had to go the you know I had to go the distance and um, yeah, that's, that's where it came. But from. But you know those boots ended up at uh, on display at uh, the Smithsonian. Oh yes, I did know that actually. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What what a great inspiration. Hey, so have have you dug yeah. into the? There's some controversy that he may have not actually done the whole trail. Have you? Yeah. Uh, oh oh yeah. Okay. There's always controversy. Yeah yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't, can't have, comment one way or the other. Time. I was just curious if you uh, if you had dug into that. Yeah, yeah. That, that well, there's some thought that uh, Boy Scout troop was the first people to actually complete the Appalachian Trail, and that would have been in the 30s. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, well, you know what, Bart? In all fairness, Earl Schaefer, because he gets big respect from obviously you and me. Let, well, let's move on and talk mm-hmm. about your your yeah. other books because there's so much to talk about um so america's greatest hiking trails you did the at the pct you did like a uh, compilation kind of hardcover book yeah it's all it's that? all the uh, 11 national scenic trails and then the, the so there's a chapter devoted to each one of the 11 national scenic trails and uh karen berger who uh she and i collaborated on on our first book on my first book on the pacific crest trail that was back in 90 that came out in 98 and then um once again we teamed up for the uh, america's great hiking trails and she just did a fantastic job um talking about each the unique characteristics of each one of the uh, the trails and um and then there's a last chapter devoted to um other 
long trail, uh, other trails such as the long trail and um, the Colorado trail, which I walked. Um, so I walked, to, it, this book kind of gave me an excuse to walk a number of the trails that I've always wanted to, like the um, Vermont long trail and the Colorado trail and the uh, Chilkoot trail and the uh, lost coast trail. And so uh, that was, that was really fun doing all that. So, um, and that book, it came out in uh, two, uh, 2014, and um it's it did win the uh what is it uh Lowell Thomas Award for best uh travel book and it's been really well received. I mean it's very gratifying to see that it's it's doing quite well and to this day it's it's uh, selling really well. So you know what's funny Bart is is you and I have talked for you know roughly an hour and a half and we've talked about hiking, right? But you know really what yeah. we haven't talked about is how amazing your fo- photography is how how wonderful well, your pictures are and how you've captured well, all these trails well, in in um i mean I, I i can't even you know you can't talk about it you got to see it right i know yeah that's true i, I mean i find that for, for me it's it, it's always interesting how it's it's hard to even express walking all the national trails i mean people you know they'll ask me what am i doing you know if they see me walking out on a on a road pushing my stuff on a baby jogger <laughs> And I say I'm walking all of America's national trail system, and they go, oh, that was nice. You know, they don't have a concept of what, what it actually is. It is, I mean, it's, you know, it kind of went off the deep end. Uh, who knows where it actually officially happened. I guess it was when I decided to walk the historic trails as well. But, um, you know, kind of remarkably, it, it all worked out. And, and I was able to do it and, you know, uh, just had an incredible experience and able to, you know, photograph uh, kind of anything and everything that uh, I find interesting along the, along the trails. So it's it's been a, um, it's almost, it's hard to put into words, you know, like you say. Hey, but I, let me, let me go back earlier in your life though, because there's a couple of things I think that are key to where you are right now. Um, and and mm-hmm. I got to ask you the Boy Scout question, because I've, I, my, you know, I, my son went through the scouts. I went through scouts. Right. I, I credit right I credit the scouting organization with uh, a lot of my knowledge of the outdoors. I mean, y- you obviously went through it too. Um, how did yep. that? How did that kind of give you a foundation? Yeah, um, and he, I mean, leading up to, so I joined when I was what thirteen or something like that, and so by, like I say, my family was already very outdoor oriented. But um, with the Boy Scouts uh, and the troop that I was um, a member of uh, was very much um, like the priority was more in hiking. And we did a lot of hiking. I mean, um, once a month and then we do a, uh, a 50 miler in the summertime up in the, uh, the Cascades through some pretty oftentimes some pretty rugged country. And, um, uh, you know, for one thing, just the fun aspect of being with, you know, kids, you know, fellow kids, your own age, experiencing everything, stuff you don't always think about, just skipping rocks on the lakes and that kind of stuff. Um, just, you know, just had, had a blast. And, uh, I didn't really go, um, into the, uh, getting merit badges or anything like that until, I don't know, I was like 15 or 16. And my dad kind of pushed me, he said, you know, you really, you haven't gotten any married badges. What are you going to do? <laughs> so uh, I did start uh, 
advancing, so to speak. And I ended up uh, getting the Eagle Scout like two days before I turned 18. So <laughs> I, I think it was 18 was the cutoff, but uh, that's I, I not, barely uh, snuck in there. <laughs> that's not that's not uncommon. I'm, I'm seeing that still happening in this day and age. They wait till the last minute. So that, that has not changed yeah. over the years. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, to be honest, I, it sounds corny. The it, it shouldn't, but to a certain degree, you know, it, um, helpful, um, courteous, kind, obedient, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave. Clean I mean, it's rubber. amazing how many of those, how many of those attributes really do, um, are really helped me along the way, um, while walking. I think the biggest one is honest, um, if or trustworthy. If people trust you, they'll, They'll give you anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I can't emphasize the importance of people being able to trust you. I mean, that, that's really important. But yeah, yeah so scouting, um, uh, you know, I, I was kind of a screw up at times, but uh, it it gave me the opportunity to kind of um, work on myself and to, and with the advancement, I mean, it, you know, you, you start feeling good about yourself after you get so many merit badges and you say, hey, I, maybe I can actually do this. And and the, the I can't stress enough just the importance of having a comfort level in the woods, you know, in, in, in a wilderness situation. And I, I think being in the scouts also, you know, further helped me along in that regard. Yeah. Do, do you have any words of wisdom to scouts that might be listening to the uh, podcast tonight? Current or retired? Um well, yeah, um, I, I remember when I was doing it, and I don't know if it's still the same way. You know, once you get to a certain age, like 16 or 17, it's real easy to think, okay, scouting's kind of corny. You almost don't want people to know that you're, you know, wear, wear the book scout uniform and, and that kind of thing. And right. maybe it's changing. I don't know if that's. Uh, I know. I think you're accurate. Uh, I, think, I think there is. But, a little, but in the uh, '60s and '70s, it kind of went to a you know it was an uncool thing to do. Hmm. Um, but um, but for me, uh, it, you know, it gave me you know first become a patrol leader, and then um, you know worked into being being an assistant troop leader, and so it gave me um, a, a more of a confidence level that uh, helped me through my life that, um, and I'm just speaking for myself. So, um, you know, for me, I, I would, I can't say enough good things about it. It really, uh, was a big part of my uh, childhood. Yeah. I mean, I, I do agree with you. I think the leadership opportunities are, you know, you don't get them a lot of places in life right. when you're young. Yeah, that's right. So I think there's something yeah. to be said for that where you're leading younger kids. Um, and, and here again, with this whole digital age that we're just going pell-mell right into, um, you know, with everybody having an iPhone and everything, um, I, it, there's a certain level of um, camaraderie that's uh, nice to experience. And maybe, you know, people can do that with teens, you know, on team sports and that kind of stuff. But it's it's kind of different when you're with a group of people out in the woods and uh, experiencing, you know, hardship and all that. There's consequences. Stuff, uh, there's consequences. You, you make a bad decision, you pay for it dearly, right? You know, when you're yeah, in the back country. Right. And, you know, that's not, not to say that it's not true in sports. You make a bad decision, you pay for it. But, um, you know, those are lessons that are super valuable to you later in life. Uh, yeah. That, that's what, that's yeah. why I asked the question, actually, Bart. 
But hey, hey well, the other yeah. thing I wanted to ask you too is about your wife because she seems like she possibly could be the coolest woman on the planet. <laughs> I mean, well, does she? she how, how, that, <laughs> how, how often does she hike with you? That was really what I wanted to ask you. Like backpacker hike. Yeah, yeah. Well, like we're so we're gonna go to. We kind of on our trips try to make it work for both of us. And so if I'm in a you know serious hiking situation, that's that's really not her thing. Um, but she loves car camping. So on the, uh, on the Continental Divide Trail, I, I mean, I already mentioned that on the, uh, on the uh, Natchez Trace, uh, she, she was able to hike with, or not hike so much, but car camped. And then on the uh, Continental Divide Trail, it, we had a great time going through. I mean, it was very remote. I was glad, you know, to have her, you know, uh, driving and setting up uh, locations because um, I, I walk on the Continental Divide Trail. I walked the actual, I mean, it's confusing, but there's like an official route. And then there's the route, the practical route that most yeah. um, through hikers take through New Mexico. And when I say practical route, it's because it's got water and it doesn't, and it's got more access to, um, to resupply and that kind of thing. Whereas if you follow the actual route, it is remote up, up until you get to Pie Town. And then, uh, and Pie Town's not that big. <laughs> but uh, anyways, she, um, would drive you know way out and then have to come in and meet me at different locations but it allowed me to walk the uh, actual official route for whatever that's worth the official route of the uh, continental bike trail and and that was great we had, we had a fantastic time she saw a uh i think she saw a uh, a wolf yeah that's so awesome. i mean for her that was a, was a, that was a big deal well, i think that's the most rare animal encounter in the woods pretty much right i mean yeah yeah that's the holy grail that, the, the, the the one that I the, the rarest animal I saw was on the Arizona Trail and it was this um, a cat that about the size of a bobcat but taller with longer legs but it was battleship gray and just this crazy looking face and it looked at me for um, just like about three or four seconds and I tried real slowly to get to my camera. Um, but with any movement, it, it took off and I wasn't able to get a photograph of it, but I, w I did look it up and there's, uh, I, uh, I can't remember the name of the cat, but it came from Mexico. And, uh, so that was really one of the rare uh, wildlife that, uh, that I saw. And I saw a, uh, a cougar on the uh, Florida trail, uh, when I was going to the trail. So I was actually in a car when I saw the Well, that's cool though. They're protected, uh, right? They're yeah. pretty rare, aren't they? Yeah. 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 The Florida Panther, they're bringing in Tex uh, cougar from Texas to try to broaden out the gene pool with, <laughs> because there's a real concern that the Florida Panther are becoming too inbred. Uh, yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Well, that, you know, you, you spoke, uh, highly of the florida trail and that was one trail that i don't have a lot of experience with um hey so bart i'm dying to ask you another question i mean i've got so many yeah. but uh and i won't keep you here all night i promise so i'll, I'll try to wrap this up in the next 20 <laughs> well, minutes fun. but um the i mean you've you've had all these experiences so can you give me your most ultimate day in the backcountry um wow ultimate. i know it's yeah, gonna be hard a... Um, well, maybe, yeah, let me, maybe uh, I should ask you miserable first, cause that would probably yeah. come to mind quicker. And they can, and it, they can actually kind of be at the same. I know. Isn't that crazy? Know, Isn't that crazy? They how that the works? Same day. Um, on the Oregon trail, I had a, an amazing experience where 
Um, and here again, I already mentioned how once you finally see the bluffs, you finally feel like you're getting somewhere. And I was, you know, feeling a, a certain connectedness with the uh, with the pioneers of, you know, 160 years ago. And um, I camped at a, just right between a really awesome lo- uh, camp location, right between Jail Rock and Courthouse Rock. Um, and this is in uh, western Nebraska. But that night, um, that evening, just this massive thunderhead arose um, in the late afternoon. And um, and then this crazy little rain squall came down that was just like right on top of Jail Rock. So from a photographic standpoint, it was just a, an amazing uh, earth-sky connection. That, uh, but, um, but just to... Uh, experienced that. And then later on, some other clouds came up and has got just amazing photographs of that. And then that night, um, this massive wind came through, blew my tent over. Um, and I was, uh, fortunately, it wasn't raining because I couldn't put the tent up. It's just it's one of those winds you just kind of have to surrender <laughs> to the wind. But um, that morning, it just woke up and it was calm as can be and it was just beautiful. And I got some more beautiful images of, uh, of jail rock once again. And, um, that kind of experience, uh, especially with when you add in the fact that, uh, you know, reading the journals from all the trail travelers from 150 years ago and how important reaching those locations was for them. Yeah. That, that, that was, and they've called it uh, seeing the elephant. If you see anything, cre- I mean, to that, you know, people hear that saying every now and then and they go, what the hell is that about? But it was on the Oregon Trail, and it meant uh, if you saw something amazing, uh, just out of uh, out of fantasy land or something, and that was that was kind of my seeing the elephant there. You know, it's kind of like through hiking, though. You know, you get to that moment where you just need that one thing that just uh, it's that magic. Oh, it's the it's the magic moment. It's the magic moment that yeah. uh, just makes everything okay. That's what you're basically saying, exactly. right? Exactly. Right, right. Which which and, leads and, yeah, me, I mean, which yeah. Bart leads me to the next question about most ultimate day, which may be hard because I know you've had a lot of good ones. Yeah, um, I mean, really, I don't know if it'd be the ultimate day, but I mean, a day that just you know, that was filled with a lot of emotion was fill, uh, f- completing the um, Pacific Northwest Trail at um, at the endpoint at uh, on um, Second Beach. So you got the Pacific Ocean, and it's just beautiful. And when I was a kid, we, you know, our family used to go there. And I just finished, you know, completed the uh, Pacific Northwest Trail. I was just about to complete it, but um, it's just—I mean—that morning um, woke up and it was uh, had this fog, but the sun coming through. So you had these crazy god rays coming through the Sitka uh, forest. Just very primordial, just beautiful. And then. Um, Later that day, had a lunch by this um, little brook and noticed these uh, the little uh, skimmers. That's you know little insect bugs that skim along the water, and just started photographing that and just got totally lost in photographing water skimmers and got some really cool photographs of that. But then I realized, oh my god, I got a I was supposed to meet a um, I was scheduled to meet a, a reporter from the Seattle Times who's gonna interview me there so i had to run i ended up running the last because I, I thought i was closer than i was to the end and then realized i still had like another five miles to go um but uh, and so ran that last part and uh, ended up meeting the uh the reporter and everything and then bridgie met me there 
And then, then at that time I had finished, I had officially finished all 11 national scenic trails. So, and it's just such a beautiful location, beautiful place. And uh, so I guess, you know, that that's what comes out to me, but you know, after we hang up, there'll be about 30 other places. Though, <laughs> you know, you, you know, Bart, we can talk again. And actually that was, yeah. that was a question okay. I had for you was, um, if I would like to talk to you again, cause you've got 30 trails we could talk about. I know. And, and I know. If, if, if we did talk again, what trail would that be? Just out of curiosity. Would it be the Arizona? If cause I, you, you sounded very high on that. Um, oh yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Arizona trail would be a good one, but you know the Wisconsin Ice Age Trail. I mean that that's another one that's that's uh, fa- it's fascinating. To me. I've hiked uh, a, a few sections of that, and I agree with you. You think would that be the go-to mm-hmm. if I came back to you and said, "Let's do one more interview, Bart." What do you want to talk about? You think it would be that? Uh, it it could be. I mean, um, I, you know, uh, like I say, any of the trails. You know, any of the story. I mean, that, and that's my challenge is this whole thing is, it's, it's kind of overwhelming. Uh, you know, it's like, where do I, where do I start and finish when talking about walking America's national trails? There, there is no start or finish. It just goes on and on. I know. But, um, that's, that's a great thing. Isn't yeah. It? Either, either of those two trails would, would be great. I'd love to have you back actually. Maybe I'll give you a couple months to think about what we talk about next time. Trail wise. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll zero uh, in. let you know how the Inca trail went. Yeah. That, well, that, that, I, yeah. that would be interesting actually. Hey, so, um, yeah. not to make it really hard for you to answer another question. It's going to be just as hard as asking about your favorite trail. <laughs> Bet your your most your most passionate your favorite picture you ever taken out there. Yeah. Um. um uh, you know, I I guess I don't have one. I mean, I know Galen Roll had one that's so well known about um, the rainbow that hits the Lhasa Tibetan um, monastery, and it's just crazy and amazing photographs that uh but but i i don't have my rainbow over lots of, i mean i have uh i mean there's one that um i took of um mount jefferson for the pacific crest trail it's actually not going to be in this next book but um i mean they didn't use that image i think it uh, it's not on my website right now either but it's in the old book the, the, along the pacific crest trail but uh what i'm getting at is i i returned to the um to Jefferson Park and with the idea of getting a moonrise but then that evening this is amazing uh, billowing thunder massive thunder cloud uh, uh, grew up right behind Mount Jefferson and then those lightning started coming down and so it got folk kind of a neat photograph of lightning with this just very dramatic uh, cloud over uh, over Mount Jefferson and then that the, the that cloud started these uh, forest fires that burned for a year, for a, a month and a half. So, I mean, in one, one regard, it wasn't a good thing, but just the uh, the drama of it was pretty incredible to experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, off, off, and, you know, oftentimes it's, it's more weather related. Um, I think I read this somewhere, Bart. I think this is great conversation. So you're getting ready to take a picture, but you also have to have your, your uh, tent set up and everything else because you got a storm coming. Yeah. Out. So how do you manage it, that? You're right. It, it, it's a real challenge. Um, I've had a number of times um, 
when I've just had to put my tent up as fast as I possibly could and just hope, 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 you know, I'm watching and saying, oh, my God, it's getting better, getting better. Got to got to get going <laughs> and just put the tent up as fast as I could and then go, you know, run as fast as I can with uh, with the tripod and set up the tripod. And, um, and then hopefully, and that, this is back in the days of film when I was photographing that. So, you know, I was hoping I, I nailed the uh, exposure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and the aspect of the height of the photography, it's kind of a funny thing that people, when they um, look at the books, they don't always necessarily think that, you know, that I'd walked 25 miles that day. And maybe when I took that photograph, I was hungry and thirsty, but, you know, came to this location that, uh, just really got into photographing it. And that's when sometimes I get into the Zen, you know, people get into the Zen of fly fishing or the Zen of golf. I get into the Zen of, you know, your photography, you probably know what I'm saying. The Zen of photography where you're just in the moment. Um, and you know, whether I'm hungry or thirsty, that's like, for just for a little brief period that goes out the window and then just um, part of the scenery doing my best to uh, capture the, the unique, you yeah. know, what, a, what a, going on. What about the Zen of through hiking, right? Like, you know, there's definitely yeah. a Zen there, which is why you keep doing it. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 No, that that's right. I mean, most, if I have a nice evening, I'm in the Zen moment. I, I like, um, you know, I enjoy even though I'm tired at the end of the day, uh, just the, the evening light. And, uh, I, I just really enjoy hiking as, as long as I can throughout the day. Um, so generally, um, with the photography, I used to get up early in the morning and then depending on where I am, I'll get up early in the morning, but with the historic trails, um, I'd be a little more, uh, got into the pattern of getting up a little later, but then hiking into the night, just, you know, just seeing the sun set and then, um, you know, the dusk come and then the Venus and then the first stars and, uh, you know, just being out in the, you know, reality, experiencing reality and just, uh, like I say, getting in the Zen of the day. You know, Bart, Bart, you're getting, you're getting me very pumped up here for the, uh, the, the holiday weekend where I can sneak out for a few days. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah. I know. I plan to believe me. That's, that's on my, my schedule. Um, Hey, so just right. to kind of wrap this up, um, one more plug for where people can find you. Cause I want to make sure they find you because, uh, your photos are amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Right now, um, walking down a dream, um, that's uh, my website and, uh, I do have an Instagram and I need to start working my Instagram. I think it's my Instagram's walking down a dream, um, as well, but, uh, uh, yeah, right now, uh, that's the website and that'll be, uh, there will be the book coming out in April. Um, that's going to be showcasing the Pacific crest trail and, uh, it'll be similar to the one that came out last, um, last year, 2017. Yeah. Uh, the book, uh, the Appalachian trail hiking the people's path. And that's, uh, it's a mini format. So it's, uh, seven inches by five inches inches but it's got uh like almost 200 images that uh that i've taken through the years and i i, I love the appalachian trail book it, it's gotten um th- that book hasn't gotten a huge um amount of uh views but uh hmm. but that, I, I think with the Pacific Crest trail that really surprised me actually i'm surprised the uh, appalachian trail book has not gotten more views 
than the, the PCT. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It, no, and it's partly it's the format is the mini format, but I think it, I love it. I mean, um, you know, it's not heavy. It's a type of gift that doesn't cost much. It's a great stocking stuffer. If anybody's looking for a stocking stuffer out there, uh, the Appalachian Trail, hiking the People's Path. And, uh, you know, it's the type of thing that I, I like the concept that if you were to give it to a, a kid or even just put it in their room, you don't even have to say anything about it. And just maybe over time they'll open it up and start looking through it. And maybe they'll cut it up and put, put the pictures on the wall or something like that. But maybe just plant a little seed that, uh, you know, the Appalachian Trail is out there. Hey, so, um, Bart, I got to ask you, like, just, you know, a final, final kind of takeaway message for the listeners. The one message mm-hmm. you would like to get across. Whether you want it to be photography or backcountry or anything. Well, I, I guess Take it's away. one that I already said, you know, kind of already said, you know, have faith in yourself and your fellow man and it, everything will work out. I mean, that's, that's, you know, I've now walked 34,000 miles and it's just, uh, I've seen it happen over and over and over um, to uh, just have faith in yourself and faith in your fellow man and it'll all work out. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think that that that's really true, which you can only really appreciate when you've been out there and depending on other people. Hey, how about since yeah. we're, we're right up on Christmas? But when I say faith in yourself, too, it, it, I mean, the humans, we, we were um, designed for walking. I mean, we're amazing walking animal, or, you know, animals <laughs> because, uh, I mean, we can walk on such a, on a relatively small amount of food much further than um you know most you know grizzly bears have to eat a massive amount of food uh, fuel and um so i mean we're made to walk and once you do it and then you know our audience backpackers know this but a lot of people don't that you know if you can make it if you can walk for like um a week to two weeks and your body starts getting um built you know uh, you start getting used to the walking um, it's amazing what you can do. So I, I, when I say faith in yourself, I kind of mean having faith in your physical abilities as well. Oh yeah, that's a good point. I'm I'm gr- glad you brought that out. Hey, since we're right up on Christmas, um, and you know, gear is obviously very important when we go in the backcountry. Is there is there any yeah. gear gear that would you s- might suggest for uh, listeners to buy? Um. Yeah. Um. Boy, hmm. Uh, I mean, like I, I mean, there's there's only a few items that I've brought the whole throughout this entire experience. Um, uh, and like I say, the Catadyne water filter. But you know, I've known I've run into a lot of other people that use all sorts of different water filtering methods, and you know that works great for them. But just for myself, the Catadyne water filter worked uh, worked great. Um. And uh, I, just for me, uh, talking about myself, I, I like a tent that is, goes up real easy. I like simple, you know, yeah. simple and fast because I can't yep. tell you how many times I've had to put up the tent, you know, before a storm comes yeah. in. So I want, want to have a tent that's fairly easy to put up. And um, I, lo- I do like having a protective fly because I've just had too many experiences where, you know, oh, my God, if, you know, if I didn't, the mosquitoes would have eat me alive so uh, <laughs> yeah and then uh and don't forget a sleeping bag and a wool hat yeah the basics the yeah you're right the you, yeah. you can easily forget the insects and their ability to suck the blood out of you yeah 
for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, they can make things miserable pretty fast. Yes. Well, Bart, I yep. can't I, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. I, I would love to have you back. I, I would like to give you well, like a, I would like to give you a couple months to think about a trail we could spend an hour talking on. Because I would sure. I would that, love to drill down fun. on your favorite. But uh, thanks for being on the show. I've uh, I have a tremendous respect for what you've accomplished, and uh, I, I'm sure I won't be able to do the same. But big kudos to you, for sure. Well, thank you. Thanks so much, Bird Shooter. Yeah. That's, that's been fantastic talking with you. And I, I I love sharing the experience. That's what I want to do. You know, I've, I've been so fortunate, um, and uh, so now uh, I. Appreciate you giving me the opportunity to uh, share my experiences. That's what the show's all about. But I think your pictures, your pictures say it all. But hopefully this, thank you. This hopefully this will give them a little, you know, uh, uh, background on your experience on trying to capture them because it's easy to look at a picture and not appreciate what it took to get the photo, right? Yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Hey, I really enjoyed talking to you, and hopefully I'll run into you here somewhere sometime. Right on. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Into Backpacking Podcast. This is your host, Bird Shooter, wishing you the best for your travels on the trail. To subscribe to this show, visit iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And give us a thumbs up or a positive comment while you're there. You can also download shows directly from intobackpacking.com. Just click the podcast tab on the main menu. Music for this show was provided by Jarrus under a Creative Commons license and is titled Hillbilly Anarchy. This show is a production of Into Backpacking and is copyrighted by Into Ventures Inc. For more information on this podcast or to provide feedback or comments on this or future shows, please visit us at intobackpacking.com. That's the letter N, the number two, backpacking.com.